Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you to not look at the pairwise this early in the season. It means absolutely nothing. Uh, I'm Waldy, sitting here with Andrew, and the reason I'm starting the show out like this is because I'm getting, I mean, I don't want to say I'm getting roasted right now on Twitter, at more clappers, but it's, you know, everyone's given their little tidbits, little thoughts about where we're at in the pairwise right now. There's just so much that can change from now until when it actually matters. Because the pairwise only really matters in one day in 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 March. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of building up to it. And, you know, things matter throughout the whole season. And I get that. But, you know, you, you look at this time last year, Denver was 37th in the pairwise. All right. So, so I, I just stop. Stop looking at it now. It means absolutely nothing. And already seeing so much talk about, you know, being where we're at in the pairwise or, uh, you know, you know, some famous figurehead saying that the math doesn't add up in the pairwise and what the rankings are. So just, 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 just Elsa, just let it go. It, you know, if, if we're. You know, we shouldn't be too worried about it right now because we got we got games in front of us. We got a whole season. Let's enjoy the ride for a little bit before we start having to sweat out the RPI to the thousandth decimal place. That's my thought. That's my piece. That's my rent and soapbox. Yeah, I said last week to treat it as a Thanksgiving Day, uh, uh, a Black Friday present. It's, it, treat it as a doorbuster. Just blind yourself to it and then open it up that day. And you'll be surprised. Now, I mean, I guess I really don't. If you want to look at it, fine. I, I you just got to put it in context. It, you should just have fun with it, just as if it's like a random sort of pick your number. Oh, Denver thirty-seven. Uh, realize that that doesn't mean anything. And St. Cloud being one or two or whatever they're at. I mean, good. I I guess you want to be high up in the rankings, but. <clears throat> We got a long season to go. Harvard doesn't have a loss yet. And teams that are undefeated or that don't have wins yet, which I think there's a couple like Dartmouth. Brown, we know, is off the off the schneid. But uh, <sighs> but teams need to have a loss, and teams need to ha- every team needs to have a win, every team needs to have a loss in order for them to even become, like, bad rankings or uh, small sample size rankings. That the bare minimum that we need to do in order for them to be even maybe slightly understandable. But even then, I think it's still too early. I mean, knock yourself out if you want to look at it, but if you're putting stock into it, you're doing it wrong, is what I'm saying. So what was the year that what was the year that broke the pairwise? Was that 12, 13? The the Gopher women's hockey team, who just offered their first loss of the season, by the way. Go Huskies, woo! Uh, go Huskies, woo! On that one, congratulations. And they, 
they were undefeated that that year, and the pairwise, I believe, was just. I mean, it literally broke it. It, it like nothing made sense. Like their RPI yeah. was like one point e five six. Like it was, uh, it was something just absolutely bonkers. It's a flaw with the system. I, I remember. I mean, CHN didn't have the pair. They used to not have the pairwise up this early, early in years past at all, but. Th- I remember there was maybe Ostro had it. It was after the first weekend of the year and like St. Cloud swept, I'm going to say Bemidji State or something. And looking at it, like Bemidji State was two in pairwise for something after this, like after they got swept on the opening week. That's it, just, it's just, it's high fantasy. It's very creative. You know, um, I'm sure that I'd like, I'm going to have to look at it now because you're talking <laughs> about it so much, but. Let's just go down it because I'm sure there's some like Atlantic hockey team or two that you, you're like, what? Uh, kill some time because I'm gonna have to look at this now. Thanks for well, thanks for uh, letting I said me break. Don't my look at it. Why? Why are you pulling an Uno reverse card on me? Uh, Princeton does not have a win. They're the they're the only team that doesn't have a win so far this season. Dartmouth has a win. I uh look yeah, at that. They beat Yale six nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, Boston University's four and three, and they're at seven. Cor- Cornell is one and three, and I think our Brown voter in the Uscho poll uh, switched over to Cornell. So they, I think that that's our that. latest poll update. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm sick of the bid. I guess. It's just I, I don't know. If you want to look at it, fine. I, I maybe that's my new thing. I don't really care. But I, maybe this is a, another like lesson seven hundred reason seven hundred and twenty two why I'm not on Twitter. Because if you're saying that this is some sort of bit, um, I'm really glad to not be uh, involved in it. Yeah, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter's been uh, just uh, it. it I've I've never been involved in, you know, and maybe because it's, you know, social media and, you know, a whole new different thing, but never been involved in a company that is just slowly eating itself alive. Maybe not even slowly, but ever since Elon uh, kind of took over, everything has been going haywire. <laughs> I, I love it's it. Been, I love it's it. been really, it, it's been really enjoyable for someone who actually <laughs> likes being on Twitter, but... I am very much in favor of him buying that. If only because I think there's a decent chance he kills it. Yeah. Yeah, He might get there. So So let's, uh, you know, do something crazy on this uh, episode and talk a little hockey. I guess we should uh, switch gears here. Denver, uh, St. Cloud State uh, on Friday at Magnus and uh, wins in overtime, uh, four to three. And uh, rubber match goes to Denver in regulation. They win three to two. And uh, uh, Andrew, you were there. You were at the wonderful confines of the Church of Magnus Arena. And uh, how overall, how was your trip? How was your experience? My experience when I was there with the Denver fans was uh, not very pleasant on Saturday. So I wonder if it was kind of the same for you or how everything went. How'd it go? 
No, I, I had that trip in Denver a couple of years ago. I, I was more well-behaved this time around. Um, <laughs> got along fine uh, with, with everybody. Uh, it was a, I thought, a great weekend. Um, a great weekend of hockey. You know, I kind of sprung for pricier seats than I would normally go for, um, bringing a few friends uh, to the game, well, one friend each night. And as I mentioned last week, one of them hadn't been to a hockey game before. So wanting to, you know, not just cheap out uh, on the seats. And so I think that played a part in it. But I thought two extremely well-played hockey games. The, the games I thought were well worth the money. You know, coming off that Bemidji series and talking about the Friday game last, well, two Fridays ago now, not the best showing of entertainment there and did not want to have that happen with mm-hmm. with my travels to Denver. And I I do not think that I got that. I I am, even with, you know, taking two out of six points for the Huskies, you know, Denver taking four, we're talking conference points now, four points for Denver, two for... The Huskies, I'm feeling more confident about the St. Cloud team after this series, even with taking a minority of the points. Um, they were able to hang with Denver. And Interesting. Perhaps you're, you're, you can factor in an early season Denver still trying to uh, find their game. Um, you know, As you mentioned last year, had some struggles early on in the season that they had to work out before they really uh, became a powerhouse in that second half of the year and then going into the tournament. Um, so maybe I'm taking too much into that, but but this was a very, uh, this was a good weekend for St. Cloud, I thought. Um, maybe you're thinking it differently. And may, maybe I'm just taking my uh, in the building sort of hadn't, hadn't attended a Huskies game in a while in person. Maybe I'm taking that too much. Um, or taking too much stock into the result here. But I thought that's a good Denver team. Um, and I thought St. Cloud was a was an able rival um, and played with them. And especially that Friday game was very entertaining, especially towards the end there. Uh, I thought that was some high-quality hockey. You? Um, I guess I just... I feel like I should be more sold on this team than I am, and I don't know what's stopping me. And I think maybe it boils down to uh, I've just been spoiled over some of those, you know, kind of high-flying Huskies offense where, you know, I didn't feel like there was, I mean, I don't want to say dead weight, but, I mean, you look at the third and fourth lines of, you know, this team or you and, you know, some of those teams of the, you know, recent past of those number one seats, there, there's a clear difference there. Um, and, and maybe I'm just kind of yearning for that, maybe a little bit more um, and, and more so like the dominating of, you know, possession, dominating on the five on five. And again, this is a good Denver team. So, I mean, it. But I, I, I just I, I just feel that there's just a little something that I'm that I'm missing that really can kind of get me on board with this team. And I, I don't know what that is. That's just and I think it's just my fault when I when I look at everything, because I don't know what more kind of we need to do. Like, I don't know. So I'm kind of in a weird place with this Husky team 
Um, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm going to keep cheering and I'm going to keep going for it. And this is going to be, a, it's going to be a fun ride. I'm going to really enjoy this season, but it's, there's just something, something that's stopping me from getting a hundred percent on board. And I haven't put my finger on it quite yet. Yeah, that that is interesting. I, um, I, I guess I don't know what to tell you. Well, time will tell uh, whether my optimism is uh, apt or if your pessimism is is more um, is more correct. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, these but are. I mean, these we, are these we, we had we had really good showing against Mankato. We had a really good showing here this weekend against Denver. I mean. We sure, yeah, we lost to Bemidji, but guess what? Bemidji that that happens. I mean, that's weird. So, like it's like Bemidji, especially at Bemidji, that you know, really good teams can falter there. They have all the time. So I don't know. It's it is it, it. I'm really. I think the real test is going to come actually this weekend when it's a team I feel we should beat. And I, and just to see if we can kind of rise up, you know, cause the Western Michigans, you know, of, of the conference, these are the ones that you really have to be to really solidify yourself as an upper echelon team of the NCHC and therefore college hockey. And if we do stumble here this weekend, that's where I just, you know, maybe, maybe I just need to, you know, have a one great dominating weekend against a solid team um maybe not a dominating weekend but you know one where we take care of business i think that is what's going to get me kind of really on board with this team and let's hope that happens here against western michigan yeah i don't want to get too far ahead of us as we will be uh previewing the the broncos series here after we recap denver but now that we're on the topic i i sort of agree i i think i my opinion of Western sounds like it's higher than yours. I think Western's a pretty good team, actually. Um, and I don't think they're a team that we should expect the St. Cloud to bulldoze. I'm concerned that I, I'm wondering if there's going to be a letdown here. Uh, I'm thinking that Friday night game is a, kind of a, I don't have a good feeling about it because I feel like St. Cloud got up to play their best game against Denver. And I think they might underestimate uh, Western Michigan a little bit and uh, Western has been a offensive juggernaut this year. Um, yeah, I was, we'll get to that I'll, later. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, uh, the more, yeah, the more games that, that we play here, the more evidence that we'll get as far as how good this team is. I, I'm the way that North Dakota's underwhelmed the way that Duluth is underwhelmed. I, I would almost, want to put Western in that top half of the league at this point. If I was going to adjust my uh, season prediction before the season, I think I would be higher on Western than I was going into the year. So I think this is a pretty, another challenge for this team. And so I hope that they do not take them lightly. Uh, I hope that they take this, take the lessons that they did against Denver um, to heart. Use that as as more adva- uh, as more motivation going into next weekend, but certainly don't take the uh, opposition lightly because uh, you blink and Western can score a couple of goals and you pretty and you won't know what what, what happened uh, yeah. there. So let's uh, maybe just stick to the weekend that was before we get ahead of ourselves too much. 
and uh, maybe a uh, recap some of these games. Agreed, but I just want to put a quick addendum. I'm not expecting them to bulldoze Western, but I do feel like it's a team we got to take four points from uh, or more. So I think Western. I think Western's going to win on Friday. But yeah. So, well, I'd love to see it. Uh, I'd love to yeah, see. Well, I'd love to see a, a, a four-plus point weekend. <laughs> let's go back Friday's game uh against uh against Denver powerhouse weekend all around i mean with this being you know two versus four in the nation according to uh all the pollsters and it was um i i was a little bit nervous about this game about how we were going to kind of start out you know kind of thinking back to maybe that Mankato series where you know Mankato really took it to us you know for the first 10 minutes of that i thought you know St. Cloud on Friday came out flying mm-hmm. Cronulla scores the goal um, early. Uh, I thought just an overall really good period um, there, but uh, Benning ends up scoring a little bit later in the period, gives it 1-1. And then second period, kind of stuck in that little funk uh, there in the the second. Denver kind of took a little bit over, and uh, Justin Lee ended up uh, getting the goal, making it 2-1. And I'm like, okay, we're down two to one going into the third. And then, yeah, that third period was probably the most entertaining hockey that I've seen probably this year from um, all aspects. So uh, Crookshank scores uh, to tie it up on that beautiful slap shot um, that just went bar down. So um, that was uh, that was exciting to see. I screamed throughout the Weldon household, that's for sure. Um, Rizzo. Uh, ends it up, uh, you know, uh, going back, taking the lead again late in the third. And uh, Okabe, then, extra attacker, uh, just kind of turns and fires it blindly and uh, ends up uh, getting by uh, getting by uh, Corona. So uh, then the uh, three-on-three overtime, and uh, Mietnan scores the, scores the game winner. I tweeted out a screenshot of uh, Mietnan and from the first instance of when he's um, had a four on two and he controlled the puck and he ended up trying to take a shot from, you know, kind of the far corner of the ice instead of, you know, making some sort of a play uh, to get his teammates the puck or, or whatnot. It's a low percentage shot. And, you know, I just was like, this is what sums it up with Mietin and why he's not really goal producing is he's trying these, you know, bar shots that are contested, just trying to pad his shots and not getting into prime scoring chances. Uh, and then he takes advantage on that three on three with Crookshade doing a sweet uh, dropping pa- uh, drop pass there. And uh, Manton was able to pick up the puck and, and rifle it in from a much better scoring angle and a scoring chance. And that's, uh, I was really excited to see that. So that's awesome. Thought Jackson Caster, I thought he played serviceable in net. Um, uh, two of them, though, I thought he wished that he probably would have had back. Um, but it was overall, I thought it was a very fun, even hockey game. And uh, yeah, just, um, you know, there in person, what were your thoughts? Yeah. How did your friend like it? How did your friend like it? Good. Good. Uh, I, I I think we will get a thumbs up there. I'm not not yeah. going to say that that's going to be the you know start of a lifelong love of hockey, but going overtime and 
some late, you know, the late kind of exchange of goals at the end of the third was, was definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah, much, much. This was much, another instance of like me being really excited about this team not giving up, you know, when it's, they kind of kept on that pressure. They get down, you know, with uh, two minutes and change to go in the game and they're able to, you know, answer less than a minute later. So that that's, uh, I, I love seeing that. Yeah. So the, yeah, I agree with the, that first eight, 10 minutes or so kind of being dominated by the Huskies. Great to see them come out like that. Um, we've seen them sort of have some slower starts. We did see that on Saturday. They took them about 10 minutes to even get a shot on goal um, against Denver. But uh, great, yeah. good, good 10 minutes. That Benning goal I thought was a highly real goal. Um, uh, nothing that Castor could have done there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, great goal there. Yeah, the second goal uh, for Denver. Uh, I'm not sure if Castor was screened there. Did not look like a great goal. Um, but you knew that he must, he must've been screened, knew that it wasn't going to end two to one Crookshank's goal, as you said, ties it up in the third. But I thought after that, St. Cloud sort of was playing for overtime and that, uh, that ended up biting them because that, that third goal for Denver, which, you know, I figured was going to be the game winner, uh, you know, from Rizzo. You know, a goal where St. Cloud is just sort of penned in their own zone and on their heels and just kind of in a prevent defense and uh, against a team like Denver and against the top line that Denver has. That Rizzo, Dornback, and Mazer line is is a really good line. Um, I don't think we're going to see a better line all season. And you might be right. Yeah. I mean, that, that line was just a force out there every time they touched the ice. Right. And so... At that point, thinking, hey, gave it a good shot, but you know, it's comes up coming up close. But then uh, you know, Okabe with the goal. So three of the four goals here, including Mietin's uh, game winner, kind of high shots that they're beating Krona, which I thought was interesting. You know, you're talking about Mietin and wanting that to take that snipe. And I don't think that was Krona specific, but I do think that the Huskies figured out that they can beat him high uh with some shots. Which so it doesn't surprise me if those last three goals are exactly how they beat him, um, and it sort of is was their you know mo on Saturday as well. They um, they wanted to get uh, they wanted to go high on him, and they were able to beat him. Corona looked I thought average for Denver uh, on, on I Friday. I always thought Corona was an average. I think goal. you know I, 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 I'm, I'm higher I'm on never, him than even you this, are. But. Even last year, I was just like I don't think he's that good. He's, like he's serviceable. Yeah, he's a Renac type goalie. Uh, whatever you feel a Renac, then that's what I kind of feel about Krona. Um, but uh, yeah, and then when the overtime comes, sure we'll talk about this, where where Larson takes the uh, risk of challenging the p- potential major, goes on the penalty kill instead because no major was called and had a had burned his timeout. So risk that. Uh, you know, having a two-minute penalty called against him if he wasn't able to, if the refs did not call that a major, which is exactly what happened. And I turned to my friend at that point. Is like the 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 only uh, question for me is if St. Cloud's going to touch the puck, uh, because we saw that last year where <laughs> a couple of times St. Cloud didn't wasn't able to touch puck in overtime. Um, and I'm thinking four, you know, four on three with that Rizzo Mazer Dornback line. Yeah, like good night. But credit to the team, they were able to kill that off, and uh, and shortly after, yeah, yeah, it was score. 
Yeah, huge props to the penalty kill in overtime because it was a very pedestrian looking power play and uh you know the penalty killers really kept uh kept them at bay for most of it. Yeah, good so. good kill all weekend. Uh, just the one power play goal yeah. that Denver gave up uh or that Denver scored on Saturday that's factoring in a major that uh, St. Cloud had to kill uh, on Saturday uh, and perfect mm-hmm. on the kill on Friday. So that's a unit that's been fantastic so far this year, penalty kill and the power play too. special teams has, has really done a, a major part in, in uh, putting worse, you know, in how well St. Cloud has done this year so far. So yeah, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a very entertaining game. As you said, Caster had a couple there, the third one too. Um, I'm sure he kind of would want, want back as well, but I thought he played good enough. He made some, some key saves that he needed to make. And uh, I, I don't think that this was a, you know, a game that St. Cloud stole. I think this is one that they earned and kind of went yeah. head to head with a, a heavyweight uh, conference rival. And uh, were able to come out with, you know, not the three point regulation win, but two point overtime win certainly will take that any day. Uh, and, feeling after that game was like Saturday is going to be a gravy game for St. Cloud. Um, and it, you know, Denver kind of had the pressure, I would say going into the, you don't, you don't want to get swept. We're counting overtime losses the same as well. Sweep is a sweep there. They, you figure that they were going to come out stronger on Saturday and they certainly did scoring the first two goals within the first two minutes of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point you're thinking St. Cloud might, you know, it, this might be a route. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much since, you know, as I had mentioned that first 10 minutes, you know, they gave up the first two goals about two and a half minutes in. And then it's, I think 10 minutes in where St. Cloud finally gets their first shot. So that weathered the storm there, um, after the first 10 minutes. And after that point, um, I thought St. Cloud, you know, had a decent amount of chances against Denver. Um, and, I thought Bassey played very well on Saturday. That second goal that he gave up, you can tell even at, uh, on the replay, you know, kind of slams his stick down after the goal. A, a tip, you know, from Divine um, from a shot on the point, one that I think he would want back. Um, but but seeing as the the the, the rush that that Denver had for the first ten minutes, and then for the many opportunities they had, as mentioned, five minute power play. Uh, on the ma- major to Cranola, which Cranola was was lost for the game. After that, um, he made some huge saves. This this that game I thought deserved to be much more than three to two, and I think uh, Bassey was a big part in in keeping the game close. And Cloud is twice able to get to th- to back to one goal down, um, but not quite able to tie the game. You know, he had the power play goal with with Crookshank um, there in the. Uh, in the second period, or excuse me, in the third, Cranola power play goal in the second before he exited. Uh, sure, we can talk about that. Uh, Mayhew with the uh, game winner for Denver on the power play in the third period. As mentioned, the only power play goal that uh, uh, that Denver scored on the weekend, and that one was one where you know it's just an inability for St. Cloud to clear that puck. You know, s- several chances. I think maybe yeah, if- they had they had four or five chances to clear yeah. that puck and whatever you know with whiffing on it or puck hitting you know a teammate and bouncing around or whatnot it was it, it was one of those that you, it's like a, a train or a 
car wreck in slow motion. It's like, you know it's going to come. It's just kind of a matter of time. Uh, but but seeing here the, uh, you know, that, you know, two goals kind of quick early on. And I'm just thinking, okay, if we get out of this period, let's get down. You know, if we're still down only two to one or two nothing, that's going to be a win. You know, then and then, you know, second period kind of came out. Uh, we got our feet uh, kind of, you know, back together and got a good rush. And I'm thinking here at that time, okay, let's just cut it lead to half, two to one going into the third. It's going to be, we're going to be fine. Um, you know, Cronulla scores. Awesome. Cronulla gets kicked out. Not awesome. <laughs> and then, yeah, then that kind of, you know, that five minute penalty kill again, great job on the penalty kill, but that was kind of a momentum uh, breaker. And then getting another, penalty for ingram for tripping you know uh again right at the beginning of the third and that's when uh, mayhew scored to make three one i'm like uh uh but you know we made uh we tried what we could there uh at the end of the uh at the end of that third period and um probably one of the worst extra attacker attempts <laughs> when it comes to i i don't think i've seen a worse extra attacker sequence without allowing a goal as as the huskies did because i think they 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 pulled with you know a little more than a minute i don't think we even touched the offensive zone mietnan i think had three saves yeah <laughs> i don't know if he's credited for three Post saves had a couple but, of saves uh, too yeah so i mean it was so that was a little bit frustrating well yeah after um, after crookshank scores that goal to make it three to two about the next sh- couple of shifts yeah okabe had a golden opportunity Sort of on a yeah, uh, yeah, not a wraparound, but right, right on the side of the net there. That I'm sure that one is in his, uh, in, you know, in his nightmares, uh, haunting him, um, because uh, I think uh, nine times out of ten he's able to put that puck home. So after that goal, and then after that chance, I'm just thinking, you know, Saint Cloud had all the momentum, but it was somewhere, you know, a minute or two after that that Denver was able to recontrol the the momentum uh, and. After, you know that last five minutes, including as you said, the uh, the extra attacker time, uh, extra attacker time for the Huskies, just no real chances to to write home about. And Denver salts away a, a harder in victory, um, but like I said, it was it was definitely um, a weekend full of drama and intrigue. You know, what'd you think about that Cranola uh, play, uh, the uh, the five minute major and ejection? Well. Let's let's go back. Let's go back sure. to uh, the challenge on Friday because sure. I think these kind of yeah. go hand in hand. Um, at least they do for me. Um, now with the uh, you know not being called, and you're going into o- overtime, and you know it, you, you look at it, it's a hard hit. Um, when I saw it live, I thought it was a penalty, and they let play kind of continue. Um, Larson challenged it um, for a potential uh, for a five minute major ends up losing the challenge. And I, at that point I was like, when he said it was a challenge, I immediately thought it was the wrong decision, no matter what. Um, Because I, I just think from a risk reward standpoint, now obviously it ended up working out for the Huskies. Anyway, they killed the, the, the penalty and they ended up winning, but I just think the risk reward uh, wasn't there, wasn't enough for something that's a judgment call. And I think a very tough call 
for the refs to kind of go back and say, yep, okay, that was a five-minute major. Um, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head, at least, that I've seen that. I've seen that. So, But uh, that they've actually went back and called it. I'm, I'm probably missing a case or two, but I, I just feel like that's incredibly rare. Um, now, obviously, you know, I saw on Twitter and I saw a lot of people up in arms about um, that not being called. I know the coaching staff is livid about it as well. So it's, I, when I looked at the replay, I looked at of it as where the principal point of contact was and the kind of extension after that. So even as I was looking at it, I, I I looked at that as whatever you wanted to see out of it is what you would get out of it. If you wanted that to be a penalty, you could kind of see um, that there was contact to the head. And if you didn't want to see that there was a penalty or anything along those lines, you say, well, no, it was his elbow was following through from the hit and it just looked like it went by his head. So, I mean... <laughs> I, I didn't know, and when it's that kind of a judgment call, it didn't surprise me that it wasn't called a major. So that's where I kind of landed on it. So I, I'm not surprised that it wasn't a major. Should it have been a major? I can see both sides. Again, I'm really sitting on the fence on this one. How did you see it? Yeah, I had to go back, obviously, you know, being in the stands, mm-hmm. and that was sort of far from where I was, I was in the opposite corner of that. So in the building, I figured that's what the challenge was, was for that, you know, kind of waited there delay after the final, the third period buzzer blew. Um, and then going back to look at it. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't think it was a good challenge. Um, and looking at the replay. Yeah. I don't see how they would call that a major. I mean, I'm fine with that being a no call. Maybe that's ridiculous, but uh, I didn't. I didn't necessarily see a major uh, on that hit. Um, and I'm wondering if, because you get an extra time, they burn their time out. I think in like the second period, kind of an odd time to use it. Denver uh-huh. was playing pretty well. Had a had a decent uh, spurt, and I think uh, St. Cloud was caught on the line change on an icing, I think. So burned it somewhere in the middle of the second period. So he didn't have one left. I believe you get one in overtime. You get another timeout. I think that's right. Maybe he was thinking, hey, that's the timeout that I'm going to be risking. But because this is a pl- play that was reviewed towards the end of the third period, I'm, I'm assuming he knew that he was risking the penalty when he made that challenge. I, I hope yeah. so. Um, but... uh I was a little confused there because I I didn't know if you if that if that was on the line for that call or not. They didn't really tell us that in the building, but um, I, yeah, looking back, I'm not surprised that they didn't call that a five. I, I for for though, if you're risking losing a challenge, if you're risking a penalty to challenge something, I think it's got to be a goal situation. Like, is if they waved off a goal or if they didn't count a goal that crossed the line, you know what I mean? Like. Because like you're saying, what you're asking the refs to go back and do is to reverse a subjective call. And yeah. that you're bringing in pride and history and... Way too many human elements. Human elements yeah. there, whereas the the goal or no goal thing is much more of an objective call, I think. So 
when you're risking that much, when that much is on the line, if, if this was a situation where he still had his timeout and review, you're asking for the challenge there, just would have burned his timeout. Go for it because that would have given you the five minute mm-hmm. overtime or five minute, basically the entire overtime would have been a power play for you. Sure. But I think that's too much to risk. I would not have done it. Of course, I mean, we could say 2020 you know, hindsight, but as you said, it worked out for the Huskies because they were able to burn the penalty. Uh, kill the penalty and then score the uh, the winner, but um, but yeah, I would uh, I, I would not have made that challenge at that time. But yeah, as you said, I I we've seen majors called for for less for a lesser yeah, hit as well. I kind of at this point, I just kind of throw my hands up like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, it depends on who the refing team is. It depends on what mood they're in. Depends on how the game's going. Like if if us, uh, you know, St. Cloud had taken a major themselves earlier in that game, maybe they would have given Denver the major there to even it up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of times, I think even going into the Cranel hit on Saturday, and you know, I was kind of, when I rewatched parts of the stream, um, you know, to, to get, to see the play for myself, you know, being there in the stands again, I was on the other end of the ice for that Cranel hit. Uh, even the refs or even the uh, announcers for Denver were, you know, uh, was saying, yeah, it's not necessarily the hit; it's the rea- it's the result of the hit that will get called. It's yeah. and you know I think their color guy uh, did not think it was a major. I looking back in the building and looking on the replay, I did not think that was a major uh, for Cranola. But seeing as yeah, Barons is hurt and he's gone for the game and um. And so I'm not surprised that they called it and big, uh, big swing in the game. I thought losing Cranola, you know, taking, uh, he, cause he took another minor on that play in the scrum afterwards. He had taken a penalty earlier in the period. So second period for Cranola is a, uh, a eventful one scores a goal and takes 19 penalty minutes. Uh, yeah. and so, uh, certainly a big swing and, and huge. I mean, the penalty and- itself was big, but losing Cranola might have been the bigger for the rest of the game might have been the bigger penalty because, you know, having a good weekend scoring two goals in in the first two you know, period or game and a half, essentially, uh, and losing him on your top line. And we haven't even mentioned that Kupka did not make this trip um, yep. with an illness. So having two top six guys, you know, playing on your top two lines, gone for the last half of that game or you know period and a half let's say uh on saturday uh big big loss for st cloud and the fact that they were able to cut it to three to two and damn near tie the game i thought it's another credit to you know the, the extra level that this team can go to and and some of the depth that they do have so but what did let's let's uh get back to that crayon play what, what was your what was your take on that major call well, when I looked at that, I looked at it as I felt like it more came, you know, from a little bit more of the side than yeah. from the back of checking from behind. So my issue more isn't the fact that, you know, br- the hit on brand wasn't called, but it's just the fact that I look at these two hits and just think of it as a consistency issue because I feel like both of them have their merits of being a five minute and both of them have their merits of not being it and having one be one and the other not being one was just really confusing to me because when I looked at the chronicle hit, like I was like, 
I mean, kind of from behind, but I, I, you know, it was, it was more, like you said, more of the result and he went down and, you know, he did not come back and, you know, for obviously, you know, we're not wishing ill will or injury to any player or anything along those lines. But I mean, it just, it's just, it just felt like I, I didn't think it was that terrible of a hit. I, there's, you know, Aaron Marvin's <laughs> on Chase Genoways. That was worse, you know. And, and, but it's so that's kind of what I, I, I was more frustrated about is just I, I, I just didn't think the uh, consistency was, uh, you know, the consist the inaccurate or the inconsistency of that is just more frustrating for me than than anything else. Yeah. Even even if they were the different types of hits, but it's it, it's still I I just I can't look at one and say that definitely is one and that other one is definitely not. To me, they're kind of in the same ballpark. Yeah. I again, it's Barron's top two defenseman for Denver. He's gone. He had to like go to the hospital and, and check some stuff out. Hope that he's all right. But yeah, if 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 he's not injured. And and maybe that's ridiculous to say. Like the hit is what made it was is what injured him. So why why wouldn't you call that? But you know if he doesn't go down in a heap, and if he's not one of their best defensemen, you know does he get the five minute major there? I'm not sure. It, is it fair to assume that the refs have that in their minds when they're making their judgment? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But um, yeah, in the building, I remember thinking that didn't look like a major to me. And then maybe thinking, okay, well, I must've not had the best view of it. Just one of those plays where I was at, or I was kind of pointing my friend to the guy that I went to the game with on Saturday. That was a play where it's, there was a loose puck. I think it was Denver tried. They were in their offensive zone pass to the point from the, their deep corner was an errant pass. And so it's sort of like a self icing situation. Um, but Cranola saw that it was him with Barons and he tried to out speed, you know, outgun him. And it was when he, I just love it when Cranola cranks into that high gear, uh, as a skater, he's just got such a yeah. clean, uh, skating motion. And, and when he's, when he goes into that, that fast gear. And that's why I said to my friend, I said, you know, this guy's got the speed, just you know, watch him beat him to the puck. But he was going a little too fast. It sounds and Barron's kind of went in there, sort of on the at the bad angle, and uh, yeah, bore the brunt of a hit. As you said, I thought it was more of a side hit. But you know, Cranel uh, was certainly playing the heel for the Denver fans. Denver fans were not happy with, with saying what the. I think that Denver fans thought that the officiating was like very pro Husky, um, and which I thought was funny um, because. Uh, Sure, the penalty minutes were were, were definitely tilted <laughs> tilted the other way, but when St. Cloud scored that, the uh, Crookshank scored that power play goal. You know, it was a showering of boos because yeah, there was that play with uh, Solquist kind of got run into the goaltender, and they yeah. didn't call that, which I thought was a, a good no call. Again, call me biased, but I don't think that that I thought he was sort of pushed into him. Um, so, uh, that they did not like that. Cause I think Cranola scored later in that power play. Um, so pretty much after, after that, you know, halfway through the second, you know, anytime St. Cloud was on the power play, it was just booing. And then 
Brantlow was being booed because he was the guy that made the hit. So St. Cloud was, uh, yeah, they were the the heel wrestler uh, for, for the Denver yeah, fans right? this weekend. But uh, they, after scoring the first goal, too, on, on Friday, he went over and punched oh yeah, the glass yeah. right next to a bunch of Denver fans, too. So I think, uh, I mean, he's oh. got that itch, oh, yeah. which, oh, yeah. I mean, definitely also kind of shows up on his uh, penalty minutes, which I remember frustrated me last right. year with him. Right. Uh, Miet and still zero still penalty was, minutes. There uh, was zero on the career. First, on the career. On his career. So that that's it's not it's got to be a like that's got to be some kind of college hockey record or like what's the most amount of most minutes games played the least? yeah yeah so um and just kind of some stray thoughts um i want to say about um uh, about the series and 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 denver first off as far as st cloud state is concerned and how st cloud state goes we desperately need to work on our odd man rushes I mean, especially, I think, on Friday, but even on Saturday, there were a couple of chances where we had some odd man rushes, and we just either just whistled it right into their bread basket or just came in lethargic or tried one too many passes or anything along those lines. But our three-on-twos, two-on-ones, you know, just I thought especially our three-on-twos look absolutely abysmal. And also that five, four on two with the uh, Bietten as well. Uh, I, I was, I was very frustrated with our on man rushes. Um, and I was actually uh, talking with uh, Go Huskies Woo throughout the game. And he made an observation that I agree with is that this Denver team kind of reminded us of the late nineties, early two thousands, Wisconsin team where, um, you had Heatley and Ryan Prant on the same line, you know, very top heavy. And then you got three lines that are just, you know, they're, they're solid. They're they're but they're not going to really blow you away. And then that line comes out and then it's okay. Hold your breath. Um, and, and I agree with that with one caveat is that defensively, this team, this Denver team is, is incredibly good. Um, um, I was really impressed with Mayhew. Um, really all weekend. I thought he had a fantastic weekend. Uh, and then obviously, um, Barron's, uh, I thought he had a good weekend until his injury. And then, um, the, the one guy with the three vowels that I can't pronounce. Booyam. Uh, Booyam? Booyam. Yeah, he's good too. I, I thought, yeah, I thought he was incredibly good too. So it's, but I, I, I don't see this team repeating. So I'll just say that I just, I just feel like um, I don't see them, you know, as they are now, obviously things can change, but I don't see them pulling together four wins against four quality opponents. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. It's, it's, it is early. And I think that, um, you know, I would agree that second line they had, I'm trying to think this is Thompson was, I believe a freshman. I thought he looked pretty good on Saturday. Um, this Carter, he was really good on the face yeah. after. Yeah, this uh, Carter King, Which, who I remember he scored one of the goals against the Huskies last year. I think he was on the fourth line. He might be on the third line this year. Grinder type. He reminds me of a Dan Chronic, uh, if, if you want a, a good reference back in the day. 
He's not going to wow you with uh, the skill and the speed that, uh, you know, a guy like Mazur does, for instance. But, um, you know, Wait, he's a... Are you telling me Dan Chronic didn't wow you was, with his skill and he speed? He was a figure skater, as we all know. Uh, dazzled us uh, with his triple axles. Um, <laughs> no, he's a guy that, uh, you know, that third goal, or, yeah, the third goal on Saturday with the uh, sort of five chance, couldn't clear the puck. Carter or, uh, or King was right in the middle of that, um, grinding it up, greasing it up. And uh, mm-hmm. those are unsexy uh, players, unsexy plays, but they get the job done. Uh, thinking back a little bit, a little bit more recently, how about uh, Will Hammer? Uh, there's a <laughs> maybe a more up to date comp uh, for Carter King. But so, I mean, they, hey, I like the Dan uh, Chronic. Oh, uh, comparison. my roommate and I, we were the, the, chairman and vice chairman of the Dan Chronic fan club uh, in that, what, 06, 07 <laughs> season or whatever it was. Uh, Especially when he played against De- uh, Duluth, Duluth. Right. <laughs> get his revenge. Um, he was always good for parking his ass in front of the, getting a greasy power play goal uh, at least once a weekend. So I think they've, um, you know, they've got depth issues. I would agree with that. Um, but um but I, they're going to be at the top of this conference for sure. It's always a crapshoot, even in March and April, to to say how the NCAA yes. tournament's going to shake out. Just the roll of the yes. dice. It's a roulette wheel. It's a couple of spins of the roulette wheel. If they win it again, I would not be shocked. I'll tell you that. Um, but uh, got a lot of a lot of hockey to go. Um, it's a good team, and Huskies were able to, to get something from them, which is I think key going forward for them. Again, like I mentioned, I think during the uh, Mankato series, you know, my percent meter of confidence that Huskies are going to make the tournament. I think after that weekend, I think I'm at 75%. Let's take it up like 78, 79%. So I think yeah. this, this was a positive weekend in that. Like the, uh, the needle moved up in the positive direction, in my mind, for St. Cloud this weekend, even with the uh, just the two points. So... I liked I liked I, I liked how the Tossies played, and I really liked the uh, the performance, the entertainment that I was uh, that I partook in this weekend. Got, got your money's worth. Got my money's worth. That's all I'm asking for. So, um, so your Go Huskies Woo Player of the Weekend. Uh, he ended up voting for um uh, or his uh uh, uh player. Uh, he ended up uh, picking was uh, Grant Crookshank, uh, just uh, kind of for his all-around play. Um, scored key goals both nights, um, and obviously uh, that uh, great assist on on the Friday game too to drop to Mietnan for the game-winning goal. Um, he thought uh, Brendan Bush had, um, also played really well defensively. Um, I thought Friday he played well. Saturday was a little bit a little bit tougher, but I think that was. Tougher for everybody um, when we got dominated on the face-offs and we're chasing the puck for uh, a quite a bit of the game um, as well. Um, and uh, just, yeah, just a chronola, you know, sometimes, you know, defensively or making, you know, being a little bit too aggressive and kind of kind of really burned him that weekend. But uh, Grant Crookshank was his player of the weekend. Uh, who Who would you say is yours? I did have to think about this one for a little bit. Crookshank was a candidate. I'm going to go with Okabe uh, this weekend. Um, nice. You know, gets, I think, three points on the weekend. Scores the uh, the tying goal on Friday, which 
just a huge goal. Um, perhaps the biggest goal of the season so far for the, for the Huskies, um, you know, uh, a, a game that, you know, you give up that late goal to Denver and you're just thinking that's, that's it. And, and to get the on the road, on the road. Yep. And empty netter or, uh, you know, extra attacker goal. Um, and a, a clutch clutch goal there. And then on Saturday, like I said, did not, um, did not factor in the, uh, you know, didn't score, but he had that golden opportunity um, and assisted on Granola's goal as well. He was just a, a solid presence all weekend. And I actually thought that Brand played pretty well. You know, we, we sort of were questioning the move of moving him on that line um, for Mietman. But, you know, I, I think that Brand, again, he's, I think he's a step up in quality to Carter King or, you know, Chronic or someone like that. But I think his role in that line will be to, to be somewhat of a finisher rather than a playmaker. And if he can, you know, provide that, I think that will be a, a, a decent uh, fit. Um, but, you know, Okabe and Cranola do have their, uh, their chemistry and, and I do like how yeah. they're clicking. So, and Okabe's kind of been, a, a solid player all year. I don't believe I've given him, given him. Yeah, I have. I have not given him the player of the week. I think maybe Go Huskies Woo did once before. We should keep a tally. Uh, last. Okay. Yeah. We should keep it. We should keep a tally did, yeah. of that just for just for uh, trivia's sake. But I feel like he's been. You know, if I was going to do like second or third place of the weekend, I think he would have been in in the vote. He would have been also receiving votes similar to Brown. Mm. Um, He'd be the Brown slash Cornell of uh, of this. Right. Movie. And so I want to give him, want to throw him a bone, throw, throw this Husky a bone. And, uh, sure I, I did like, appreciate I did like his, uh, his play this weekend. How about you? It's yeah. I mean, we could have gone a couple of different ways. Both, um, them two were on my list. Obviously Cronulla was on my list until he got the boot on Saturday. Um, Peart, I thought, you know, on the score sheet, you know, pops over the weekend with three assists. Um, but, I, I, I just I, I don't know what it is about his play, um, but I just, I, I, I feel he's he's okay defensively, but I feel like he makes the wrong decisions when it comes to plays, passes, or breakouts, or something along those lines that he causes just a little bit too many turnovers, for my liking. Uh, until he's obviously on the power play and he's kind of, you know, controlling that power play point or whatnot. I mean, he makes you know the right moves in that instance. I mean, he's absolutely great in that situation. But some of the breakout stuff kind of, kind of ekes me a little bit. Um, uh, and yeah, so in the end, kind of where I ended up going with it is I ended up going back with Grant Cruikshank. So it maybe is a little bit of a broken record, uh, but I just feel the uh, play that he had and the big, um, you know, just the magnitude of the goals that he scored and, and you know, coming off of a weekend where, you know, it wasn't really his best weekend uh, uh, just prior. So it's, um, you know, it's good to see him show up for, you know, the big tilts, I guess you can say. So it's... Um, yeah, so Grant Crookshake is my vote as well. Stick tap too. Uh, pleasantly surprised to see uh, Josh Lutke in the action in action on oh, Saturday. Yep, yeah. uh, I was not expecting yep. that. Obviously, I I wasn't following the news 
as close as I would be if I wasn't on the trip. But uh, it's a sight for sore eyes, and he played pretty well. You know, uh, looks Lukey-esque. I uh, did not seem to be favoring or scared or anything like that. You know, obviously with concussion, everything can take a while to sort of get your feet back. But, you know, made all the plays he needed to make. Didn't didn't blow any coverage. So, uh, thumbs up. And if if he's now just going to be regularly in the lineup, all the better for St. Cloud. Because, again, well, this is yeah. a, probably a top two, maybe third, at, at worst, maybe third best defenseman, let's say. So, I mean key addition uh and also stick tapping to guys like wiley and reiners who have stepped up in his absence too so um Mm -hmm. good problem to have yeah the the strength in our defense that we've always thought that or that we thought we've had going through these at the beginning of the season has really exceeded even my expectations i mean this is this is a really good group of defense probably the best that we've um, had here in a long time at St. Cloud State. Um, so, switch over. Western Michigan, at home, not going to Kalamazoo. So, uh, already that's a win right. in my book. Um, you know, you hinted at it earlier. You thought, uh, you know, Huskies are uh, prime for a little bit of a letdown uh, this, this weekend. So, kind of, what are your thoughts here as... Uh, Kalamazoo, the crazies, no, the lost in lunatics. The, <laughs> well, what are your thoughts here as the, as the Broncos here kind of, uh, you know, stampede into town? What, what do Broncos do? I don't know, gallop into town? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, let's hope that the, that the Huskies can, can break the Broncos, maybe tame the Broncos, let's say. Uh, yeah, I think Western's pretty pretty good. Um, been scoring a ton of goals. Uh, they have 48 goals in the year. Just they so they played 11 games, and in nine of them, nine times has Western nine times, nine times, nine times, nine times, nine times Western has scored four or more goals in the game. Um. Then just the, the other two were, were losses, obviously. Now you can look at their schedule. Um, you know, losing to Anchorage, you know, that's potentially, as we mentioned at the time, would be a big loss for them because uh, Anchorage not going to be very good. You know, and then beating Ferris Evans State, sweeping, that was just a single game at Ferris, sweeping a home and home with Bowling Green. Bowling Green's not very good. A split. Not- By the way, with the. Uh- with that Denver series with, you know, I gave a shout out to Mayhew that did give me a little bit of flashbacks to that Ferris F to Jerry. Yeah. Uh, with, with, with Gerald Mayhew. Yeah. So that I'm happy that that's passed us. Is it bad to say that I thought the same thing too? I, I looked his name <laughs> up. He's like, you know, he was in the wild system uh, for a while. I don't know if he still yeah. is. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're on the same page there. Um, yeah, sweeping Bowling Green, uh, splitting a home-and-home home with, with Notre Dame. Notre Dame's decent. And then getting swept in a home-and-home home with Michigan. Two very entertaining games, though. And one of those games went to overtime. But uh, clearly their toughest opponent so far. And then taking care of business with a, a pair of routes over Miami uh, this past weekend. So you can say, you know, they're 
their most quality win right now is that Notre Dame game, and who knows how good Notre Dame is this year. So, yeah, fair to to look at their schedule and be a little skeptical, but, um, you know, Western's a team that we've said this the last few weeks, you know, losing a bunch over this last season. They were a number one seed in the playoffs in the NCAA tournament last year, but Borad, Frank, their two top scorers are gone. Uh, their two top defensemen uh, with Ronnie Adderd and, uh, and Joyo, both of those guys, 30-plus point scores from the point, they're gone. Uh, honorary 45-year-old Josh Passholt, fifth on the team in scoring, gone. And, and their uh, goaltender, Bussy, uh, gone to the NHL. All right, at least it's signed a pro contract. And so, the, uh, like, you know, like we've mentioned about Denver, uh, Mankato, like I said, is basically par for the course these days. Teams are going to lose those top three, four guys on a year-to-year basis. Whoever's their top scorer, you know, look out for them to either go pro or you know, they're seniors and they've aged out. That was the case with Western, as it is the case with a lot of teams nowadays. And like the teams that we've mentioned, Western Michigan has shown a, an ability to replace them this year, at least so far this year. You know, of the guys that that came back from last year's team, Jason Poland and Max Sasson, uh, stand out. They're playing on a line now. You're, you're mentioning that Dornbeck, uh, Rizzo, Mazer line as being perhaps the toughest line that St. Cloud's going to see this year. I think I would agree with that, certainly so far. This line, from a point standpoint, um, of Poland, Sasson, and then newcomer uh, Ryan McAllister, that'll give, uh, from a points perspective, give everyone, anyone a run for their money. 19 points for McAllister, 16 for Pollen, 15 for Sasson. Um, they're racking up these points against, you know, Pollen had back-to-back hat-tricks against uh, Miami this past weekend. I think McAllister had a five- or a six-point weekend. Um, so I mean, you can you can point to to Miami for for uh, as an explanation for that. But points are points. McAllister being a, a freshman here, he's second in the country in points right now. So just gives you to Fantilli that should give you an idea of the kind of uh, year he's having so far as a freshman coming out of the AJHL. Um, p- yeah. Put up a huge season last year up there. I believe it was the same team that uh, McCarr played for uh, in the AJHL. Uh, 130 some points. 100, 139 points in six. Seems like a late, a late bloomer though, because you look at his stats before that. It looked like he kind of crapped out of the BCHL, had some time there, and then then went to the AHHL. Didn't really put up the big year until last year, and coming in as a 20 year old freshman this year, he seems to have found something uh, in in the last yeah. few years, and certainly showing an aptitude for college hockey so far uh, with the Broncos this year, and obviously clicking with those line mates because. The majority of his points are with Poland and Sasson getting the other points on those goals. Um, so that's clearly their top line, and number one assignment for the Huskies defensively will be to shut that line down. Because if they do, good chance that uh, St. Cloud will, will pick up a pair of wins this weekend. If that if that line gets shut out, you know, very good chance that St. Cloud does well this weekend. But you know, Western's got some got a little bit of depth too. And they were very active in the transfer portal this last year. We'll recognize the name Jack Perbix, brother of Nick. Um, Perbix coming over from the Gophers. Um, and so keep an eye on him. He's got seven points so far this year. Um, 
Zach Galambos, a j- defenseman, uh, they picked. Which, you know, a little bit of a side note here. Just a quick congratulations to Nick Perbix for right. scoring his first NHL goal yes. for the Lightning. Yeah, and seems like he's sort of settling in there uh, with with the Lightning, yeah. playing, getting regular playing time. Um, John Cooper gave him huge praise yeah. um, for for that, and really, actually, huge praise for the college hockey model in general. You know, it's like, yes, he's a rookie. He's 24. Like, he, he he's he, he's he's a learned kid. That's kind right. of what uh, John Cooper uh, kind of said. But. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Congratulations to Nick. Hope Jack uh, doesn't doesn't get a point this weekend. I'll put it that way. None. None. Zero. Uh, yeah, Galambos from the point. Uh, American International uh, transfer. Uh, put up good numbers with, with AIC over the last couple of years. Actually, he's, he's on the Crookshank path. This is his third college that he's appeared for. He actually uh, started with Mankato, but only got uh, token playing time there. Went over to AIC, kind of established himself uh, at the point there, and, and now he's cashing in uh, with, with uh, Western Michigan. Already got 10 points on the season, like I said, on the point. Pretty impressive. It includes four power play goals too, so he's he's getting plenty of uh, uh, power play action and already a plus fourteen that is very impressive uh, in, in this uh, young of a season. I think the uh, the big question mark for them um, is goaltending. Um, Cameron Rowe is who they brought in. Husky saw him last year. We've mentioned his name a few times now because he was the Wisconsin goaltender last year. That the Huskies lit up in that Friday game was it a five to one performance? I believe chased him in the second period after he gave up the goals, uh, and uh, so the Huskies have only seen him for I think a period and change, but scored five goals in him last year, and so far this year just a nine hundred save percentage, you know six and four on the year, you know middling goals against. He's played some good games and you know, he had the shutout against Notre Dame, um, but you know. It, Gave up a bunch to Michigan. A lot of those were on the power play, though. Keep you know, keep that in mind, I suppose. Um, so he's had some rough games. He's had some good games. Um, and like I said, the Huskies have seen him once before. So maybe they they can use some past history to the, to their advantage if they can conjure up kind of their game plan from uh, Wisconsin last year. But um, I would say that's the the big question mark for for Western. I, I think the Huskies will be able to score some goals on this team, but. Uh, they're going to have to bring their A defense, uh, their A game defensively, because I do think, especially that top line, but you know they do have the depth as well. Uh, I do think this is a good team, and as you're saying, yeah, I'm not calling a split. That's just my intuition this this week. I, I do hope that the Huskies prepare for this team adequately. I know that there is a, a natural sort of letdown, perhaps, in, in such a kind of big early season test in Denver, you got to keep, it's sort of like how coming out of the Mankato series, that Friday game and up in Bemidji was, was a clunker. I'm wondering if that had anything to do with sort of a, an emotional letdown from such a, uh, you know, exhausting series with Mankato. So let's see if they can, you know, keep their eyes on the prize here and, and, Give Western the respect they have, or that, that they that I think that they deserve, and take them seriously and play well against them. Like I, I, I certainly would think mm-hmm. a sweep is 
is in the realm of possibility for the Huskies. Um, but they're going to have to earn it. And this is a team, too, that's always been pretty physical. Uh, and uh, they're, they're, they're becoming, you know, under Frischweiler now, they're kind of becoming a offensive-minded team, which, you know, under Murray, it was more the rough-and-tumble, <laughs> you know, the we're going to play the size game. It's going to kind of be a football match rather than a, a hockey game. They still can have a little bit of that, can th- still throw the weight around, but this is a team also that can score a bunch too. So, you know, I'm looking for some entertaining hockey at the least this weekend and uh, two fun yeah. games. And yeah, I do. Yeah. I would say the Huskies have the edge on paper, but, you know, they don't play them on paper. And I, I do expect the Broncos to come prepared. So, what, what's your, what are your uh, thoughts coming into this, uh, this uh, you know, big early season series? Yeah, I mean, when I say that, you know, this is a team that I, I feel that the, it, if the Huskies are going to prove themselves to be a, a, you know, contender for that NCHC championship, these are the, the series that you can't drop points to, um, you know, and maybe I should save that a little bit more for the Omaha's and Miami's, which they did take care of Miami, uh, Western Michigan did quite easily so but just just looking at the you know kind of where we're at right now is i i i feel like this is the this is like the statement game that will get me fully on board the statement series and i want the huskies to come out strong and really take it to this you know, kind of this back end of this defense and really make them play on their heels. Uh, Cam, you know, Cameron Rowe right now only has a 900 save percentage. I, you know, looking at, you talked about the offensive juggernaut that they have been this season. You know, they've also given up quite a fair amount of goals as well. Um, when it, When you come to look at, like, you know, the Michigan series and... Um, especially so now do I think we're on par with Michigan when it comes to offense no but at the same time like you said about Ferris State they gave up four goals to Ferris State and it's this is where I I feel that the the Huskies can really make a statement and show that we are going to finish it you know in the top couple when it comes to the NCHC and I, I really hope that they really take it to the Broncos this weekend. Yeah, here's hoping. Um, And as you mentioned, the only series this year for the Huskies and the Broncos. Was it in the uh, original podcast uh, run? Did we anoint this the afterthought series uh, for the NCHC? Because these are the two teams that were not part of the original oh, that's right. original six of the NCHC. That's right, yes. Maybe the Invitational, because these are the t- schools that gained the invitation to go. They they, they weren't the ones to to found the conference <laughs> on themselves. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's uh, yeah. some fans that remember the... Uh, how Let's the, get a trophy. Should, Let's get should. a trophy going between Western and St. Cloud. I mean, been some good games you know, in this year, you know, and I should say about the Denver too. Like they, I don't, wouldn't say that St. Cloud and Denver have like a quote unquote rivalry. I mean, it's certainly not on the par of Denver and North Dakota, for instance, or anything like that, but it seems like St. Cloud and Denver ha- 
when they get together, they play some damn good games. I remember when I think it was yeah. uh, Larson's first year when St. Cloud played them in St. Cloud. And it was both both games, I think, were four to three, five to four type games, similar to the ones uh, this past weekend. I think it was like around Thanksgiving was when that series took place too. So kind of the same time of the year. And they were just great, great games to watch too. Um, so again, I'm not... I'm not saying it's like a rivalry. Certainly, you know, like there's only a couple of dozen of us in, in Husky gear that I could spot. So certainly can't have the uh, the effect of you know traveling fans. But I guess you could say the same about Denver and their non-traveling fan base. Yeah, that's uh, true. But uh, I, just very good games between those two teams and very good games, I, I think, in the past between Western and, and St. Cloud. And as you said, good that they're not playing in Kalamazoo because recent success there where the Huskies has been few and far between, haven't won there in several years. Um, but uh, you know, use that fat ice, and uh, and it's a you know if they are going to be a team that's going to perhaps compete for home ice, talking about Western, because this is the only series you play against them, it's all that more important to gain a point advantage in this series. Uh, use that home ice to your advantage, um, and. Uh, yeah, you're saying the originally saying of a four point plus this weekend. I, I, I mean, I, I'm all more all on board that. Like, I, I agree with that being the goal. If that's going to be the case, is to be seen. But um, I, I, I'm expecting some some entertaining games and some high scoring games. I think this weekend. Yeah, I. Western Michigan hasn't faced a defense as good as ours. Um, and that's also to talk a little bit about our goalies too, and how well that our goalies overall have been playing. Like you said, you know, Jackson, uh, Caster may have had a couple of leakers, uh, go through, but I, I don't necessarily fault them for any of them. Um, you know, for, on, you know, the second goal, I think he was screened on that one where he didn't see it. Uh, the third goal, um, I think. You know, if that's Rizzo on Spalese. So I think Rizzo's going to win that battle uh, nine times out of eight. So I don't think that's um, really going to be Caster's fault on those. And then, like you said, uh, you know, uh, Bassey played incredibly well. So um, on on Saturday. So, I, I mean, that that's where I think Western Michigan is also going to get that test that they haven't seen yet this year. Because, I mean, I would I would definitely put our defense up against Michigan's defense. Um uh, any day of the Put week. it up there against Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I just throwing it out there as far as, yeah. Seeing, yeah, seeing the stats that they put up and then kind of reminding myself of the schedule that they've played, it does put it into context. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. And, and what really, what really got them uh, in trouble against Michigan was, was their penalty kill. Gave up five goals on the power play on that Saturday game in uh, in Lawson. So team that's been that's known to struggle uh, when it comes to special teams, at least on the penalty kill. So perhaps that's an, that's yeah, another right now they're for sitting the, for, for the Huskies to take. Yeah, yeah. So right now they're sitting at seventy seven percent on the penalty yeah. kill. So I mean that's not going to turn. You gotta you gotta pump that that power play. Uh, as much as possible. Uh, and uh, perhaps that's another sort of opening for St. Cloud to take advantage of uh, this weekend. We'll see how many tripping calls are going to be 
throughout the weekend because the over-ending is a four and a half. I felt like there's so many tripping calls this year. I don't know why that is. Well, one that uh, one that wasn't called, right? That's, that's all that the Mankato fans would, would care about. The, the yep. one that wasn't called. Uh, that's all. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, um, whip it around. Uh, it was uh, a, a busy week of, of college hockey. And uh, kind of an interesting one as well. Uh, anything kind of stand out uh, for you? Um, you know, uh, you know, we talked a lot about Western Michigan against Maine. Um, the big Miami, I think, kind of. Uh, I'm sorry, yes, Miami. Uh, the big uh, surprise, I thought, um, obviously North Dakota and uh, Omaha going into overtime, and then eventually Omaha winning in the shootout. But, you know, North Dakota um, uh, was up 2-1 and then gave up two goals kind of back-to-back and had to claw back into, into that one to, to, to tie the game up um, to force overtime, really. So that one kind of stood out to me as a little bit of a surprise as I've been trashing Omaha all pod. So, um, yeah, any, anything else you want to say? Big Ten had some juicy matchups. Uh, with uh, Minnesota against Notre Dame and then uh, Penn State and Michigan. Uh, that's uh, kind of a, uh, a real big one with uh, Penn State winning on Saturday, or Friday and then Saturday coming back from 3 nothing to tie it to four, then to go to overtime only to have Michigan end up winning it. Uh, Lindenwood beat Army, so that's a, that was a big one. Swept them. So, anything? Yeah, swept them. That's... Any, any anything as far as around college hockey that you kind of want to toss your hat on? See, you've ruined me. Toss your hat on? I don't. I don't think that's the phrase. Did I make it up? Sure, we'll toss your hat on it. You've ruined me. Lindenwood is currently fortieth in pairwise. <laughs> no, don't, don't look at it. They're above such teams as Boston College, <laughs> Wisconsin. Are they above or just behind Minnesota Duluth? Uh, Duluth's like, above. I thought I saw Duluth's at thirty-five. So they're they're oh, okay. I thought but they're they within 30. sniffing distance. I would say, uh, <laughs> yeah, my surprise of the weekend and, and go Lindenwood. <laughs> my surprise of the weekend would have been that um, blitz uh, that CC pulled on Duluth on Friday, five rip, and then it took yeah. a, a late goal on Saturday. To break a one-one tie, then Duluth got an empty netter to win three to one to salvage a split in the Springs. Similar to that Wisconsin uh, sweep, the sweep to the hands of Wisconsin for Duluth. Wondering if this series says more about CC or if it says more about Duluth. I'm not really sold on CC being a great team based on their other results this year, and the trend for Duluth is just not good. So again. This might just be one of those years that they sleepwalk through the first half. Was it the uh, 2018 national title team? I think they were seventh in the conference at Christmas time. Uh, you can fact check me on that, but it's happened before. But it just—I think they've got some goaltending issues. Um, it looks like Skayskull did not survive that Friday game, and then this Tyson transfer that they brought in from Maine. Uh, worked the Saturday game, and I'm not sure if he was brought in to necessarily be the starter. So 
not sure if that is uh, going to be a development that continues to play out and and that Duluth continues to struggle on that end uh, of the ice uh, and their offensive woes too. You know, just getting two goals, not counting the you know two non-empty net goals uh, the whole weekend, is troubling for them. So. Yeah, and, and couple that with North Dakota sort of you know winning on Friday, but then you know, having to to uh, you know just just getting the tie on Saturday. You know North Dakota has been un unimpressive so far this year. Duluth's been unimpressive, and now we're seeing sort of you know Miami <laughs> had a nice little uh, run in August, but or in uh, October, but zero and four to start the year, kind of how we expected them to be. You know, Omaha is not looking great. He looks a little down for the conference this year. And, you know, we're going to get uh-huh. more more evidence of that as the conference schedule unfolds. But those are my big takeaways from the uh, the other action. I mean, as, as being in person, I was not, you know, my normal routine is having a couple of games fired up, you know, one on the iPad, watching a couple before and after. I couldn't really do that this weekend. So I'm sure you saw more of the, of the around the country um, action than I did just kind of, yeah, I was just keeping an eye on, on the, uh, on the scores and yeah, that Penn state series, certainly I was keeping an eye on. And you know, when I saw the score of three, nothing Michigan on Saturday, you know, in the third period thinking, okay, well, this is what we kind of expected at Penn state. Good win on Friday, but you know, you're not able to really make a statement and, and sweep Michigan, but coming back as they did, at least just even bringing that game to overtime before I believe it was Fantilli scored the winner for Michigan very early in the overtime. You know, Penn State is slowly kind of turning turning my head, uh, and they still have some work to do in order to to really turn my head. They got the Gophers to get my right. respect. Well, they got the Gophers uh, at Marichi this weekend. It's another another chance for you. Um, so uh, I I don't I don't like Penn State. Um, but uh, begrudgingly, they are earning my respect slowly. So, yeah, those were those would be the the big highlights in the Minnesota sweeping Notre Dame. Then, uh, with that sweep, uh, retaking the vaunted Ustio poll number one spot. <laughs> see how long, see how long that lasts. Um, but uh, someone's got to be number one in in the uh, Ustio poll, and mine as well be Minnesota. So um, it's uh, it's another interesting weekend, and it should be another interesting weekend to come here. Um, but that's all I got for my sort of around the country. Uh, one, uh, one of my favorite tweets that I saw was that um, on Friday's game, like you said, it was a five rip Colorado College over Minnesota Duluth. One uh, of the best um tweets that i saw was in reference to the guy who had the first assist on hunter mccallum's goal brian yoon uh stating that he's so old he played in the nchc third place game that is dating himself (laughs) (laughs) so i looked at that and um yeah well I mean, I didn't question it by any chance, but yes, um, obviously it was, um, you know, March 23rd, 2019, six to one Denver over Colorado college. 
you know who else was in that game playing for Denver? Kyle Mayhew. <laughs> he was the uh, I thought he, he was the extra skater on that I one. I thought you were going to say Crookshank. Probably was also in that game for CC. I think he was. 2019? Oh, yeah. yeah. Crookshank. Yeah, Crookshank was in that game, too. Look at that. Anyway, um, yeah, I watched a little bit on Saturday because that Miramac Boston College game was a afternoon game, um, on Saturday. So I watched that, and uh, yeah, Boston College. Other than the fact that they don't look very good in general, but uh, very the hockey East right now is kind of. It's kind of helter skelter. You got uh, Connecticut leading the way. You got Miramac at five ahead of both Boston College and Boston University and UMass. So, um, kind of uh, flipping everything on its head. Obviously, they've played less games, but don't, uh, or they played the same amount of games as Miramac. Connecticut's played seven games in conference, and that's why Connecticut's so far up on the list. But um, that's just kind of something I found. Uh, really interesting to see how how crazy i would say hockey East well I, and i think they look better than they have recently and mentioning that nchc looks to be perhaps down this year um hockey yep. east i think has a chance to get in a, a good amount of teams this year I, I don't know if you mentioned providence in there um two wins this weekend against umass one of those being an overtime win but Two key wins there. They're sitting at six, two, and one. Those only those two losses being at Denver. One of those losses in overtime. Um, Providence looks like a team. I, I think I picked them as my like my joke team. Like jokingly, I said they're going to win the <laughs> national title. I said that seriously though, right? Wink, wink. So maybe uh, <laughs> maybe you got to look at Providence and marquee matchup in that conference. Who would have thought this coming into the year? November, Mid November marquee matchup hockey East Providence and UConn. With the uh, home and home, UConn. So uh, let's let's get it. Yeah, keep an eye on that. Including uh, UConn hosts the Saturday game. It's an afternoon tilt. So if you're looking for something to watch in the uh, afternoon on Saturday, and you got ESPN Plus, flick that on for for some entertainment. Because because I will for sure. Uh, I love those like afternoon games which, or the, which or, like the Thursday games. I'm I'm seeing a 105 start on Saturday, and that's for my time zone so maybe two oh, two o'clock right. for you to, maybe okay um yeah i have to i have to flip the week because college hockey news is uh, well i'm on the app and as we've mentioned the the, the the schedule can be a little wonky here and some bugs that they haven't yeah. quite figured out but i think that's correct um i'm i'm confident that's correct let's put it that way as uh I don't know why. I don't know why I'm confident about that. But usually, if they're usually if they're wrong, it says like 9 p.m. for the start time, which it, this doesn't say that. So it'll it'll say yeah midnight yeah. or yeah. 11 a.m. or something like that. So Woden, I think, actually had a tweet about that, um, saying that it's the fault of the university who doesn't put the time in correct. So the default goes to zero, which reads as midnight or something, or or noon or something along those lines. So. Uh, yeah, but what a, what a tilt that'll be. So yeah, maybe I'll tune into that and yeah, I'll watch Maine and Miramac cause I'm intrigued to buy this Miramac team now that I watched on ESPN. Yeah, I watched a little bit. I've watched a little bit of them too. They've, they've played a lot of these. I, I was saying, I like the, the day games 
because generally I can watch some of those because they're not going up against like the Huskies or most of the night games. But then Miramax also been playing a bunch of like Tuesday and Thursday games. They played one earlier this week against BC. Uh, that was their home game on Thursday. And then they, as you mentioned, played at uh, BC on Saturday. So for some, I don't know, <laughs> can't imagine there was like a scheduling conflict with Miramac because they're Miramac. Um, it's not like they got a high-end <laughs> football team that they got to move mountains in order to not play on regular times for them. Maybe they're sharing the rink with some like prestigious uh, prep team uh, in, in, oh, in Andover. Cool. I don't know why, but uh, but they've been playing some weird, funky, you know, middle middle of the week games that I've been able. So I've been able to watch more of Miramac than I. Than I normally do, so uh, yeah, they look. They look they Maybe look that's their strategy. Maybe they're like the Boise yeah. State. I think didn't they have a push to play on like Friday night games yeah, or something along go. those lines to try to get that more exposure? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, speaking of afternoon matchups, Saturday, NCHC, uh, Colorado College at Miami. Oh, yeah. uh, that's a that's a five oh five Eastern time. So. That's uh, be able to wet our whistle with that one, that barn, barn burner before we get yep. to, to, to real hockey. Um, and I don't even know if you can call that the toilet bowl this year because we're meant, we as we've mentioned about Omaha's, Omaha's start because the because that week it's Omaha against Minnesota Duluth. That might that be might the be toilet, the toilet bowl. bowl. Might have been this last weekend with CC and Duluth. Who who knows? Oh. <laughs> uh. We're gonna we're gonna tick off our one <laughs> listener, Dan Jacobson from. <laughs> Actually, he'd probably be like, "Yeah, it's not good." <laughs> He'll probably be on. Just let us know, Dan. I know you will. Yep, exactly. Uh, Long Island against Wisconsin. God, Oof. I hope Long Island beats Wisconsin. Well, then, that, then okay. I think they have Lindenwood. I I'm really, as you mentioned, I'm liking this Lindenwood team, and. Uh, yeah, I don't think, you know, I kind of had my hopes high on Long Island after that Winnipeg tie. I don't think I don't think they've won a game actually. I think they've just had a couple of t- Oh no, they beat Post or uh uh Stonehill. Um and but other than that, they've not won a game yet this year. So I was a little uh too high on uh Long Island it turned out, but I think they got a shot this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, flipping over to uh, questions. Um, most of the questions we've already um, addressed uh, on the podcast. Um, obviously, I made my pairwise rant, so I'm not going to talk about that. We talked about uh, the brand kit. Um, uh, Jeffrey Wood, uh, what is the basis on the one goalie theory? I like our platoon system of Caster and Bassey. Um, so I get, I, if I'm reading his question right, I think he's thinking, you know, if basically it's really working with the uh, rotating goalies that we have here, um, is there any reason to really switch from it? And uh, should we just kind of keep it going for the foreseeable future? Um, you know, I am... I am of the mindset that I think it's good until somebody falters and then somebody takes the reins and uh, we keep riding that. So I expect them to again split time this weekend because I, I don't see any issue and there's no sense changing what's not broken and our goaltending isn't the issue. Right. Yeah, no, 
Is it near the issue I thought it was right. going to be? That's for sure. Going into this. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, yeah, we've been pretty consistent on that this year. I, I, I'm thinking as far as until it breaks, keep it going. As far as, yeah, the, I'm trying to read the question as far as theory of the one goalie. I, I mean, maybe, maybe they're sort of suggesting that the conventional wisdom is that you, you want to ride, you want exactly. to ride a, go, a single goalie. Yeah. And I, I agree with that come playoff time that that generally is the case or that's, you know, I can't think of a team that did a tandem in the playoffs and won a national title. Maybe there is, maybe there has been one that I'm forgetting, but generally it is. You kind of ride the hot goalie and you know, NHL, you see that worth, Yes, I think you mentioned the when the Wild made their run, you know, the 03 team. You had, you know, Rolson had his run, and then Fernandez took over a couple of games. And that seemed more, more of a thing in the NHL where you just play so many more games. Like, only so many, so many well, swings. Well, and also you've got a whole series of a right. playoff, yeah. too. If you, I mean, lose, if, if you have done, one it's... bad game as a goalie, your team is done because you probably lost that game. Whereas, you know. You can use your goalies uh, as a sort of way to generate momentum in the NHL playoffs. You really don't have that luxury in the NCAA. So, yeah, I mean, it's just what it's interesting. Like, what if what if we go through the entire season and we're in that last series of the regular season against Duluth, and we're still doing Castor on Friday and Bassey on Saturday? <laughs> I mean, do you just do that in the playoff series? And do you just do that if you make the NCAAs? And why not, right? I, I don't why, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's I mean, we might be revolutionizing how college hockey might is be. being played if we just roll through this the whole season. I can't so, imagine that's gonna happen. Less, less game foot footage for yeah. other teams to really scout because you gotta prepare for two goalies now. I don't know how much that actually matters. I don't I don't think that's a real thing. Like obviously you scout pitchers. I don't know if I mean maybe like yeah, they're prone to shooting or letting goals in high like Corona or something along those lines, but you know who But again, that's just a te- testament to our defense and how well they're playing. You know who's probably the the least big fan of of the success of this tandem? James Gray. Because, yeah, that's because true. we, you know, we kind of talked about him perhaps getting not just some token action this year, but the way I, again, if you don't want to screw it up and if you don't want to just give the job to one guy, your third stringer is not going to get any action, which again, most teams, third stringers don't get much action. He's going to be circling that uh, exhibition game. What is it? Uh, Manitoba. I'm sure that's going to be his Super yep. Bowl this year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, until there's some cracks here, and I still don't, you know, I saw that Bassey was named whatever national goalie of the month, and which is funny mm-hmm. because I think I went out of my way to say that I would have preferred slightly preferred Caster in the first month. But I mean, you look at the stats, and if you're someone who votes on that award, who's likely not actually watching the games, you just look at the stats, and they're a little bit better for Bassey than Caster. So. I don't, I'm not surprised that that was the case. So, um, yeah. Uh, when it comes to like Richter time, you just, it's a, they're just a package deal. <laughs> it's, uh, right. It's just Bassy caster. 
the bast the bastard bast the bastard. You gotta put like the the ship name right. It's like they're they're mm-hmm. one they're a tandem here. Uh, and uh, we yeah we should come up with some a better name than bastard. Um, uh, that's that's what social media about- can be good on. How about they come up with a a mashup portmanteau name between Bassie and Caster, or I mean, you could even do like the first names, you know, Jackson, Jackson, Dominant, Just workshop this, and someone will come up with someone will come up with someone. something. Get Go Huskies woo on that. I and uh, see I want to. I want to get to the point where we end the season and both Bassie and Caster are nominated for the Richter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one, two, and then I don't know. Throw in some random third one, <laughs> but that's what I want to see. They're both being nominated. Yes, let's see that. So, um. Well, uh, that uh, that about does her uh, from from this uh, from this episode of the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, anything uh, final thoughts that you want to uh, wrap on this podcast here before we uh, sign out? I think we've just about said it. I I did have a, a good weekend in the building. Getting back, this would have been the first Huskies series in person. Since I went to Boston in 2018, so it had oh, been wow. it had been some time away from the uh, from the building, at least when it comes from to the traveling comes to Huskies uh, Huskies games, and uh, quite enjoyed it. And yeah, if I if we can get that quality of action on the ice, the Huskies are going to do just fine this year. First of all, but I, I'm going to be just yeah. a happy consumer of hockey because. I, I thought what I thought what was on display was was really high quality, and for being an early season tilt, especially like that that I think that's what the coaches even said. It struck them more as a mm-hmm. playoff atmosphere, playoff type game, than an early season one. So it just uh, it you know there's not much more appreciation for hockey that I I can have, but that just ticked it up just a little you know ever more slightly. So um, yeah. I, excellent time and a good trip like i mean, magnus is not my favorite arena good. but uh but i'll yeah you know, nobody's favorite but it's certainly not my least favorite either so um I, I i enjoyed the time there and i enjoyed the uh enjoyed the uh the the show that was uh was on display on the ice good good well i'm weldy at more clappers on twitter m-o-a-r more clappers and you can reach andrew at our email address what's that email address again yep, that's uh huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com send me an email perfect uh please rate us too five stars on on the, on the podcast i will give you a shout out on twitter uh thanking you for it and if you rate us less than that uh i will cry so don't let that happen. Don't make Weldy cry. There we go. That's really the moral of every story. Yes, it is. So, well, uh, thank you again. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!